From RTE News, this is States of Mind. The people of this nation have spoken. CNN projects Joseph R. Biden Jr. is elected the 46th president of the United States. They've delivered us a clear victory. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. The flame of democracy was lit in this nation a long time ago. And we now know nothing, not even a pandemic or an abuse of power, can extinguish that flame. Your U.S. Election 2020 podcast. With Brian O'Donovan in Washington. And Jackie Fox in Dublin. Today. One thing that won't be a surprise is uh, Joe Biden as president will make a big visit to Ireland and I hope to be there for it. You know, I, I can't make definitive predictions that we're 100% out of the woods. I think they're gonna come after him very hard. Now, will he serve time in jail? I predict they won't put an American president in jail anytime soon, but I think they're gonna want him to cop to a felony plea to prevent him from running again. Well, it's a year that many want to banish to the history books. And rather than look back, people want to look forward to what's to come. With that in mind, we're going to talk about what a new administration in the United States could bring as we head into 2021. We're joined now by former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci, Kimberly Whaley, law professor and CBS legal analyst and Congressman Brendan Boyle. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, on the programme. Kimberly Whaley, I want to go to you first. Uh, Donald Trump hasn't been leaving the Oval Office quietly. We all know about that. With your legal hat on, are there any final chances or opportunities for him to make some noise? Could he persuade some members of Congress to work to try and overturn the election results? Well, I think the answer to that in terms of effort is probably yes. And we can just look at the sort of behavior to date. But there really isn't a mechanism left uh, for the election results to be overturned. Um, I'm sure the congressman can speak to what happens on January 6th, where the vice president will gavel in certifications across the country. Um, But without a contested certification in a particular state, there really isn't a mechanism uh, for the uh, for the vice president or the president elect to not actually be inaugurated on the twentieth, if there was some confusion in a particular state, uh, and we might still see a member from the Republican caucus in the House and in the Senate make an objection, um, if there was some confusion in a particular state, that could lead to some uh, some upset in the process. But I just don't see legally. Uh, that that there's going to be a, a mechanism for Mr. Trump to stay in office. That's not to say, as I've said for many years now, and a lot of issues when it comes to Donald Trump, the question legally isn't so much what the law allows, but what he can get away with. And without consequences for violating rules and norms, uh, that becomes the new normal. So, you know, I I can't make definitive predictions that we're 100 percent out of the woods. Well, Congressman Brendan Boyle, are, are you nervous that there could be a messy debate in the new year in 2021 when Congress sits um, to, I suppose, officially uh, certify those electoral college results? Um, I have no doubt that on January 6th, the joint session of Congress with the House of Representatives and the senators will simply uh, affirm what has been sent to us from the 50 state capitals, and that is that Joe Biden has been elected president, Kamala Harris elected vice president at 306 electoral votes. Now, you might see some sort of last gasp of fireworks 
a uh, colleague of mine, a very conservative Republican from Alabama named Mo Brooks, has already said he's going to raise an objection. Um, the mechanism there is interesting because you need at least one senator to join you in that in, in order for it to be heard. Um, at the moment, from what I understand, the Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, is putting real pressure on um, on his caucus or conference not to go along with that. Uh, but the bottom line is it won't change the result because you would need a majority in the House and a majority in the Senate to sustain any objection. There is absolutely no way the Democratic majority in, in the House is going to go along for that. So like I said, you might have some last second fireworks or theatrics, but it won't change the result. Well, Anthony Scaramucci, does that leave the Republican Party then in a very tricky situation? A lot of Republicans have sought cover since the election, not wanting to either you know, support or oppose Donald Trump's litigation efforts. Will they finally have to nail their colours to the mast now in the new year? Well, I, I think so. But when I'm listening to Brendan and Kimberly talk, I'm thinking about how we're normalising abnormal behaviour. I mean, we, we're, we're sitting here, all three of us, head scratching that we have a president that lost the election. He lost it fair and square in a safe and secure election. Uh, and yet he's trying effectively to pull some type of autocratic coup in the Congress, which Brendan is a member of. And, and thank God Brendan is there because he's providing a check on Mr. Trump's behavior, which the Constitution says the Congress is supposed to do. But uh, Brendan's Republican friends are not doing that. And so uh, hopefully uh, they will do that. But my, I predict that they won't start doing that until January 21st because they are scared out of their minds of Donald Trump. Mm. Uh, where do you then see the future of the Republican Party? Does life after Trump still include Trumpism? After all, around 74 million people did vote for Donald Trump. So I have a contrary view on this. I, I think he goes by the wayside very quickly He's being subjected to criminal investigations. He has issues related to his business that he'll be returning to. And I think he's got 10 or 12 people in his party that look in the mirror every morning and see a future president. And I think they're going to gang up on him and dismantle him. So so I could be wrong on that, but uh, it feels that way to me. And, and Congressman Brendan Boyle, do you think Republicans in Congress, they're going to work with Joe Biden. He has a history of working with the likes of Senators Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, after all. He was a senator for decades. Or will they be a thorn in his side? Uh, it'll be the latter. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I don't have any doubt about that. Because look, I mean, this goes back even before Trump. Um, the night before President Obama was inaugurated in January 2009, there is the, the famous anecdote of meeting Republican leaders had uh, in Washington when they resolved that their path back to the majority and back to relevance was to just be completely obstructionist. And frankly, the, the biggest challenge, you know, I'm friends, I have a lot of bipartisan uh, friendships, actually we're quietly able to do a lot of things on a bipartisan basis. But on the big ticket items, the solid majority of my Republican colleagues are very afraid of the base of the Republican Party. Um, they're very afraid of being taken out in a primary. A, a good friend of mine, he's now former Republican Congressman Charlie Dent of Pennsylvania, very mainstream conservatism, uh, or excuse me, very mainstream conservative, who finally just got so fed up that he decided to retire. 
And he's someone who was considered a mainstream conservative up until not that long ago. So the problem is not just the individual or the personality Trump. It is a um, hardcore Republican base that is egged on by Newsmax, OAN, Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, etc. What about the future of your own party then? For Joe Biden to nab that presidency, he had to appeal to a wide range of demographics from progressives to the anti-Trump Republicans like Anthony Scaramucci, who who could be open to the idea of flirting with swinging towards the Democratic Party. A lot of work went into getting him elected. Does Joe Biden owe these groups anything when it comes to his policies and when he gets the chance to sit in that Oval Office? You know, for all of the criticisms, I think genuine criticisms and accurate criticisms I have of Donald Trump, there were a couple positives about him uh, for the Democratic Party. And that is that Donald Trump was probably the greatest single motivator and greatest single unifier uh, my party has ever had. So then once he leaves the scene on January 20th, and it is a President Biden, you're right, it does then become more challenging to manage what is a pretty wide Uh, diverse coalition we have, and I mean that ideologically, Uh, in this election for Joe Biden to win by 7 million votes, he was able to get support from a number of former Republicans, about half of George Bush's cabinet supported uh, supported Joe Biden, including a lot of suburban Philadelphia Republicans who I know. Those are people who are not necessarily comfortable with some of the more progressive elements within the House Democratic Caucus. So it is going to be a challenge moving forward, to be totally candid, uh, keeping the Democratic members in Congress unified. Well, what about Donald Trump's transition? Kimberly Whaley, some analysts are now talking about Mr. Trump facing a very uncertain future, legal threats. Once the protections of the Oval Office fall away when Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20th, what could we see? Well, he's facing some potential criminal liability out of the state of New York. Uh, And as I think most people understand now, he cannot self-pardoned for uh, crimes at the state level. We could see between now and uh, Inauguration Day uh, a self-pardon, additional pardons, people that were swept up in the various investigations relating to Donald Trump and his organization. I'm uh, a scholar who happens to believe that a self-pardon would be uh, problematic under the Constitution in particular because DOJ has an internal policy banning Uh, prosecutors from prosecuting uh, crimes in the White House. Uh, That's not a law. It's not in the Constitution. But when you couple that with the self-pardon, that's a green light for future presidents to basically commit federal crimes in the White House. So we'll have to keep an eye on that from a constitutional perspective. It's virtually impossible to get that before Supreme Court if he were to do that. Uh, the only way the Supreme Court would rule on the constitutionality of a self-pardon would be if a Biden administration brought a, an indictment against Donald Trump, assuming there are facts, uh, and he would raise the pardon as a defense. So that's on the federal level. Uh, on the state level, as I said, I you know it looks like uh, th- those investigations are ongoing and he would not have any protection uh, by virtue of his office from that kind of liability. He would have protection from a civil standpoint from lawsuits relating to actions he took as president. That's basic sovereign immunity doctrine. Um, but both financially, uh, private civil actions. We we know we have um, you know so a number of uh, sex uh, discrimination type related lawsuits that are that are ongoing. Uh, he is facing an avalanche of potential 
uh, legal challenges going forward. Well, Anthony Scaramucci, if Donald Trump does face charges, does this strengthen his hand possibly going for that 2024 run that he's been talking about, that the deep state is out to get him? So I would have said to you, if he had bowed out graciously, they probably would have been a little lighter touch with him. But I now believe as a result of what he's done, and this is borderline seditious, if not seditious, what he's done, I think they're going to come after him very hard. Now, will he serve time in jail? I predict they won't put an American president in jail anytime soon. But I think they're going to want him to cop to a felony plea to prevent him from running again. And so I think the pressure on him is going to be enormous uh, come January 21st. Well, Joe Biden has hinted that he doesn't think uh, legal charges should be brought against him and the country should look forward. Is that something that you agree with, Brendan Boyle? Should Donald Trump face charges? Yeah, so this is where uh, America's federalist system really comes into play and, and is quite different from, say, a unitary system that Ireland has and that most parliamentary democracies have. I think at the federal level, whether you're talking about the Southern District of New York or the U.S. Department of Justice, he probably will not be facing much legal jeopardy there, Trump. His real challenge is in the state of the state of New York. It's in the Manhattan DA's office and in the New York Attorney General's office, both of which are pretty far along from what I understand in their investigations. And again, almost all of this has nothing to do with Donald Trump's actions as president. It predates that into uh, a number of things he apparently has done in, in terms of the Trump organization from outright fraud to tax evasion, et cetera. So Joe Biden essentially can have his cake and eat it too. He can genuinely say, I'm not focused on Trump. I'm not pursuing any investigation. I'm doing the work of the American people. Meanwhile, at the state and local level in New York, they're handling the investigations of Trump and making sure that if there are charges there, that they pursue them. Do you think Donald Trump will run in 2024, Anthony Scaramucci? I think he'll flirt with it because it's a moneymaker for him. I mean, the uh, this is the, the donations that poured into the Trump campaign after the election based on this false allegation of fraud. Uh, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about a quarter billion dollars has been raised in a very short period of time. And so uh, announcing that he's running for president and opening that spigot, it's better for him than The Apprentice or anything he did in Atlantic City or any of his real estate deals. So I, I, I think I'm not saying he's actually going to end up on the ballot, but do I think he'll run uh, before this criminal investigation starts uh, or amps up? I, I do think that, yes. Of course, this is with the backdrop that Joe Biden has hinted before that he will only be a one term president. The next four years it's going to be both parties licking their wounds and rebuilding a bit and figuring out what they want and what their identity is after this really gruelling election. Or is it going to be a partisan battle? Is is that going to continue, Congressman Boyle? Yeah, well, first, real quick, I, I have to point out the last defeated president to again, to again attempt to become president was in the late 1800s. So we might be in if not unprecedented uh, waters, certainly something America hasn't seen for about 150 years. Um, In terms of where both parties go from here, look, it's a lot easier to rebuild if your guy is in the White House. And and so for the Democratic Party, I don't see a wholesale rebuilding. But I am realistic about those areas where we fell short uh, this election, especially in the Senate. 
you know, the, the idea that moving forward in America, we're becoming on the Democratic side more of a um, upstairs, downstairs coalition, uh, that concerns me because the reality is that, um, you know, running up the score in urban areas might help you win a statewide race, but that doesn't help you in single member districts. It doesn't help you in the state legislative uh, seats. It doesn't help you win Senate seats in a lot of states that demographically now are looking harder for us. So I think moving forward, the Democratic Party within itself, we have to have a real conversation about what we're going to do to win back uh, areas that, um, frankly, are getting harder for us in deeper red. Of course, then the midterm elections will be coming in 2022. Kimberly Whaley, American democracy here has been tried and tested over the past four years with the Trump administration. Do you think American democracy is going into 2021 bruised or stronger than ever? Because democracy is fragile and it's built upon public trust. And while the outcome of this year's race has been affirmed, the messaging of Mr. Trump and his allies threatens to weaken the pillars of the institutions that run America's elections. Yeah, I think we're we're definitely um, hobbled and maybe even crippled going forward as a matter of American democracy. I think Joe Biden uh, has not just the Democratic Party to worry about, but you know, the structure of the integrity of the system itself, um, Donald Trump, not only we've just seen the last few weeks, the courts being used as a mechanism to literally cancel votes after the fact. That's unprecedented, really, as a matter of litigation strategy. It's it's very contrary to the concept of government by we the people. But also, since he's been in office, um, sort of gutting the integrity of the Justice Department, putting, you know, cronies in, in, in non-science-based um people in key positions of power by virtue of loyalty to him, having uh, members of his quote cabinet, unquote, like Rudy Giuliani and Jared Kushner actually implementing and making policy when they haven't gone through Senate confirmation. There, there's so much sort of, you know, in, inside the government that needs to be rebuilt. And um, as was mentioned, it's really Congress at Congress's feet. The fact that this presidency, the belt and suspenders of the office have now become so huge uh, that the, the question really is, where are the checks and during the impeachment uh, trial, the, the Senate Republicans argument was, well, the check is at is going to be at the ballot box. And I do think that's a bright light for democracy uh, that, you know, democracy itself won with Joe Biden's uh, victory. That being said, we've seen now 80 uh, percent last I, I read of the Republicans believe the election was rigged. And it's straight out of the dictator's playbook, this notion of you know, dividing people from the inside, having people challenge or, or question the integrity of democracy itself, that is a way um, to slip into something else. And I think a lot of Americans, I speak to a lot of groups and students, they seem to think they'll wake up in the, the next morning and American democracy will just never, will always be there. And that's not the case. Mm, Anthony Scaramucci, how do you think the Republican Party can soften the divisions out there at the moment? You know, that is the age-old question. I, I fear the Republican Party is going more towards white Christian nationalism and aggressive populism. I think it's a mistake, but uh, maybe I'm tone deaf. Maybe they, they see something. They're taking the fact that they flipped some of these congressional seats as a sign that they're going in the right direction. But I would point out that the uh, the party has a smaller registration than the Democrats. And now for the first time, a smaller registration than the independents. And so 
in my mind, they're running the risk of becoming an aging white demographic of people that are buying catheters and my pillows from Fox News commercial interruptions. So if they don't expand that party and get some younger, fresher leadership, sort of a Barack Obama of Republicans that can heal that party and knit together a broader coalition, I think they're doomed. Remember, they've only won one presidential election in the last seven in terms of the popular vote. And so you got to think about that. In 28 years, they've been only been able to win one popular vote at the presidential level. Congressman Boyle, how does the U.S. heal? Because looking from the outside in, it does look like an extremely divided country. Yeah, well, first, I mean, I think Anthony makes a great point about where the Republican Party is going, even with Trump leaving the scene. And again, I, I point to the fact there's a whole sort of media environment now on the far right that is financially incentivized to keep that going. Um, in terms of where American politics goes from here, you know, this is where, and, and I endorsed Joe Biden very early on, uh, going back uh, almost two years ago, because I thought that he, as a more center left Democrat, as someone who genuinely attempts to, to unify people, was exactly the kind of figure that we would need, uh, sometimes would get criticism from folks on the Democratic side for perhaps being seen as reaching out too much. But it's genuine to who he is, and I think it's, it's who we need at this moment. And right now, at least, the, the uh, polls are showing, even since the election, Joe Biden's uh, ratings have gone up. So I think people are responding to that positively. The challenge in our system, though, again, is when going up against a completely obstructionist Republican Senate, it will be a challenge to actually get things done at the legislative level. And finally, I, I'm very conscious that you all voted for Joe Biden. So so let's just do a prediction here. What do you think uh, is going to be the biggest surprise we might see from the Biden administration over the next couple of years? Kimberly, we'll start with you first. Oh, gosh, I don't know about surprise. I, I do think the, the primary challenge or one of his challenges is climate change. And... Uh, without the a- access to um, to bipartisan legislation and an obstreperous Senate, uh, that's going to be very difficult to do legislatively. And I think with a 6-3 conservative majority, we potentially could see uh, a shift in the court's approach to rulemaking. So if climate change is going to be addressed, it's going to have to happen through executive order or through uh, agency regulation. And I do think this conservative um, majority on the court is going to be more and more hostile to that, which leaves Americans kind of a little empty handed um, without a, a more functioning Congress. Brendan Boyle? Well, one thing that won't be a surprise is uh, Joe Biden as president will make a big visit to Ireland, and I hope to be there <laughs> for it. Um, and that'll be a, a very uh, special moment. Um, but no, I perhaps the, the one thing that I, I think will be a surprise to some is just how good he does in the job. Uh, you know, uh, we have to get away as a country. Every four years, there are people who want to run and they say, I'm not a politician. You know what? It turns out if you put someone in office who has 40 years experience of government, they might just know a little bit better about how government functions than the person who had no experience. And, and I think getting someone in there who is boringly normal will reveal itself to have real advantages. Anthony Scaramucci will leave the final prediction to you. Well, you know, I'm on 
stintingly optimistic, and I'm not tall enough to see the glass as anything other than half full because my angle at the glass looks pretty full to me. So I'm going to say that uh, uh, President Biden is going to cut a deal with Mitch McConnell, and it'll be an infrastructure deal to the great surprise of everybody in terms of the rancor and the uh, polemics in Washington. I think they're going to get that deal cut because they recognize the urgency that the country needs it in this post-pandemic environment that hopefully we'll get into soon. Well, listen, we'll leave it there. Former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci, Kimberly Whaley, law professor and CBS legal analyst and Congressman Brendan Boyle, thank you all so much for joining us and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you.